This is the Learning Capacity Podcast. You're with Colin Klupik. A warm welcome to you. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast Australia, improving student learning outcomes with neuroscience programs since 1999. In this episode, we talk with careers advisor Gordon Doyle about transitioning from school to the wider world. Making the transition can often be very difficult for young people for a variety of reasons, but Gordon gives us some valuable insights as to what the sources of stress might be and how to navigate them. Some listeners might even find themselves contemplating a gap year in India. According to Gordon, that could be just the ticket. Gordon Doyle, welcome to the conversation. Thanks very much, Colin. I wanted to talk with you tonight about transitioning from school. It can often be a, a rather traumatic experience for students who've been in the same environment for a, a great number of years, high school being the, uh, the obviously the most recent one for them, six years. What are the, some of the most reported reasons for anxiety, do you think, about transitioning from school? Sure. Well, in my experience of these things, there are probably um, probably half a dozen, probably five or six that, that tend to recur. One, So I'll, I'll just list them first of all, and then I'll go back and say a little bit more about each one. The first one is probably a general sense of anxiety or uncertainty about the future. Mm-hmm. The second one is probably uncertainty about what they want to do and also a feeling that everyone else knows what they want to do, but they don't. So oh, yes. they can tend to feel a bit a bit isolated. You know, this is this is just me. Everybody else seems to know what they want to do. You know, uh, amongst my peers, um, this one wants to be a doctor, this one a lawyer, this one a plumber, this one a hairdresser, and so on. Um, but I don't know. So that's, a, that's another one. Um, I'd also say that sometimes they, uh, the young people that I see seem uncertain as to where they can go to seek help to get the kind of clarification that they feel they need. Now, if we're talking about a young person in a school, the obvious person to go to is the careers advisor, mm-hmm. but there are, there are other people. So I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, another one, and this is a particularly irritating one because there's so much focus on it, and I feel that... <laughs> That there's there's too much focus on the ATAR and and all too often for the for the for the wrong reasons, and furthermore, when I'm talking about the ATAR, that there's that there seems to be a lot of um of urban myth out there about about the ATAR and what it means. So I've had young people come in and tell me that this person or that person has said to them, you know, if they don't get a great HSC result, a fantastic ATAR and go to university, then their life's over. Mm. Um, and that's just simply not true. And then an, an, another one which can often cause um, cause a bit of anxiety and stress for young people is what it means to be successful. Oh yes, that must okay. be a, that must be a really big one. Yes, and particularly if there's you know if they have um, successful uh, elder siblings or you know parents that are perceived to be successful or they have friends that that um, are seen to be a success as well. But, you know, I think too that success can mean different things to different people. And so perhaps I'll, I'll come back to that, but maybe we can just go back to the first point and I can say something about that. So that is 
uncertainty about the future. So one thing that I would always try and encourage young people to do when when I see them is to believe in the future, to believe that the future holds something that's good and positive for them. I always try and encourage a spirit of optimism and hope in the young people that I work with. Um, there's a lot of negative stuff out there, but uh, you know, at 16, 17, 18 years old, if I'm talking about a, a someone who's still in school, and beyond that, even you know, people in their 20s, they're young, they're strong, they're fit, they're healthy, they look great often. Mm. Um, and so it's important to encourage them to think positively and think optimistically about the future. Where do you think I mean, that negative stuff's coming from? Oh, crikey's look. Everywhere? I, well, <laughs> you know, I think, I, I think uh, social media, if we can call it that, I tend to call it anti-social media, but um, I think often social media is a purveyor of, of many negative things. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bullying and that sort of thing that happens with with social media. I'm not saying it's all bad, but I think it can come from there. But, I, you know, it can come from a whole range of other areas. It can come from uh, just commercial advertising. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the um, posters on the sides of buses and billboards and that around the place, if you look at the kind of advertising that's going on in cinemas, you'd get the impression that everybody is... Everybody is young, has perfect teeth, uh, a beautiful smile, flawless skin, all of that sort of thing. Mm. And uh, uh, you know, I think there's much more to uh, much more to a young person than than just simply how they look. And I'm sure you wouldn't disagree with that. No, absolutely. You know, I I, th- I think when it comes to uh, to the the negatives, I mean, there, there are. There is quite a bit of negative stuff out there, but I think it's important to focus on the positives, and and that's what I point point out to them. Um, I was talking to a young person just just last week, who seemed to be very uncertain about where he was heading, and uh, I'd like to think that by the time he he left me, and after I'd been able to point out to him his strengths, his his strengths of personality, his uh, the, his strengths in terms of the thing that the things that he's good at um, the fact that he's intelligent articulate a very effective communicator um, I'd like to think that he could see that all of these things in combination were setting him up well for a for a for a very positive future I think if they're in a school situation uh, but even if they're not in school even if it's a young person say in their 20s to find themselves a good careers advisor, go to their school careers advisor. That's the uh, that's the obvious place to start. And um, all government schools certainly have full time, qualified and experienced careers advisors. And many private schools also will have um, a careers advisor as well. Although the the situation in non government schools is not quite as clear as it is in government schools. But for a young person, a, a, year tw- a year, you know, 10, 11 or 12 student, go and talk to the careers advisor because the careers advisor can do certain things that will help to generate ideas, options and understanding, self-understanding, um, understanding about options and that sort of thing that the young person can then, can then work with in order to establish clarity. 
Yeah, I would imagine that for the young person looking for that clarity, that must be quite a, an eye opener when they finally, or when they when they make some sort of contact with a careers advisor that they resonate with somehow. I mean, I imagine it might not be the same experience with all of them, but if they find a good one, then it it, it would probably be a very positive experience for them. Well, I'd, I'd certainly like like to think so. And speaking as a careers advisor with more than twenty years experience um, in schools and in private practice. Um, I can say that it's uh, it, it's also a very positive experience for the careers advisor to work purposefully and productively with a young person, you know, just to sort of un- unlock a whole range of things and help them to see that uh, that that they have options, uh, to help them to understand um, themselves better and see how their particular combination of personality traits or interests or skill sets can uh, can can really help them to um, to uh, identify um, options uh, occupa- occupations let's let's say mm. for which their particular combination of talents of gifts if you like are well suited but you know even in the absence of a careers advisor there there are there are other things that a young person can do um, what for, for example there's a there's a government an Australian government website called My Future. Uh, it's it's arguably the best and the most comprehensive career resource of, available um, in this country anyway. It was set up about perhaps thirteen or fourteen years ago under the Education Ministry of Dr. Brendan Nelson. Oh yes, and uh, subsequent governments of both major political persuasions have continued to resource it. And it's a very, very valuable website, www.myfuture.edu.au. I really commend that to anyone who may be having um, a bit of uh, career uncertainty. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the positives about that website is that it's not just designed for young people, it's designed for people to go to at any point throughout the course of a working of, of a working lifetime. I'm quite curious about the concept that you mentioned earlier about uh, success and how young people might be thinking about, you know, the, the general uncertainty about the future, the resources that they need to uh, get a hold of or interact with, but then that that overriding uh, stress that could be coming from somewhere else, perhaps from from siblings who've done very well. Uh, what are the best ways for for young people to navigate through that particular situation? Oh, look, that's it, it's it's not it's not always easy, but I guess I I guess for me I would approach it, but just by I mean I'm I'm not a psychologist, right? I'm a I'm a trained and experienced careers advisor, but I have some psychology in my background, and so what I would encourage young people to do is is uh, or at least the approach that I would, would would take would be the approach of a little bit of you know positive psychology uh, he- helping them to, to understand that that um, that they that they are who they are that they're, they're not their parents they're not their elder siblings um, but that they have their own particular unique contribution to make there is nobody else exactly like they are and only they, can make the particular contribution that they will indeed make in 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 time. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I hadn't I hadn't really quite thought about it in that in that perspective because I think we too often think about trying to deal with the perception of the other person rather than the perception of the of the job seeker themselves. Yes. Well, that's 
that's how I see it anyway. You, you know, it's 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 about the individual. It's about finding the best option for them. It's about um, helping them to understand themselves. It's about helping them to um, to uh, uh, you know. It's not necessarily about the rest of their working life, but it's about the next stage of their of their life, and that really means the next study stage and the working stage that follows on. So I'm looking at a you know, an eight to 10 year out time frame, I guess. Mm. Does the university factor kick in there as another stress factor? Do they think, oh my goodness, everyone that I know who's been successful has gone off and done a, a university degree, maybe a master's, perhaps even a PhD. PhDs seem to be getting younger younger these days. Should we be really thinking about university as the only first to, uh, first, uh, sorry, first go-to solution? Look, I don't think so. Um, I ha- Having said that, I've been very privileged in my own life to have spent um i think it's eight or nine years equivalent as a full-time university student um i actually went as a as as a mature age student i I didn't go to university myself until i was 24 but I, i think in many ways having come to it as i have done puts me in a very good position to talk to young people about um about um the different ways to access opportunities, including the university, uh, the university option. But to get back to your to your question, um, should university be the first go to solution? No, I don't think it should be. If someone wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or an architect or an, or an, an engineer or a nurse or a teacher or anything like that, if it's one of the professions, then there is only only one way ultimately, and that is to be qualified through a university. But if they don't make the cut, and I'm talking in ATAR terms now, if they don't make the cut, it's not the end of the story. They need to know that there are a whole range of pathway options. I may have mentioned this to you before, Mm. but a whole range of pathway options that are there that someone can access that will indeed get them to where they want to go. Well, these are these kind of uh, proving ground courses uh, yes. or sort of uh, yeah. intermediary that's, courses to sort yes. of like a leg in or a step up into, that's, into university. That's right. That's right. So to, to me, um, uh, you know, uni- university, is, university is, one, is, is one way. Uh, for, for, some, for some career areas, uh, they're going to have to go. You want to be a doctor? You're going to have to go to university. And there are quite a few hoops that you need to jump through on the on the on on that pathway as well. Same with same with law. I'm talking about these high demand, high end professions, but there are others. I mentioned architecture and engineering as well. But to me, you know, it's 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 about passion. It's about purpose. It's it's about having a sense of what it is you really want to do, and and just not not giving up. Not 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 giving up, just believing that 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 you can get there. And if you if if the straight way, the easy way, um, doesn't happen for you, then that's okay. There'll be another way. There'll be a TAFE pathway, or there'll be a university foundation program pathway. Mm. But you know, it's not only about university either, Colin. It's it's about it's about what. What it is you want to do, it, it's the, and so, and I may have said this to you before too. The first and the foremost and the most important career question is not a question about university or TAFE or courses or anything like that. 
the first and the most important career question is, what do you want to do? Okay, if I can just pick up on that straight away. What if I said to you that I've just come out of year 12 and I want to, uh, I want to go to India? I want to yep. I want to explore my inner self and travel the world and um, part of that is doing it well it sounds a bit cliched but let's let's just use India as an example what would you say I'm about that I'm very happy for you to, oh look I'm actually very happy for you to use India and um, I can uh, I can actually tell you of a of a, a young person that I worked with earlier this year a very very smart um, you know doing a lot of high end subjects uh, attending a attending a, um, a really not not a selective school but a really um, a, a very high performing school and there was a certain I felt there was a certain expectation from the parents that um, that uh, he, he needed to be focusing on something specific something you know something co- concrete and I guess I pursued in working with him for about the first 20 minutes of the time that we spent together, just kind of unpacking the conventional pathway to explore his career future. And then I thought to myself, this is just not working with this young person. It's just not working. He's, he's not, you know, I just, I just had a real sense that he wasn't going to go off and he wasn't going to go to UTS and do a Bachelor of Business or to Macquarie or University of Sydney or wherever and do a Bachelor of Commerce. So I said to him, look, rather than, uh, than, than me, me, me try and, 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 and generate something specific, can you tell me a little bit about what you want to do? And he said, well, I want to take a gap year next year. And I said to him, I think that's a great idea. I said, have you any, have you any thoughts about how, how you may organise that gap year? Is it, going to be, is it going to be unstructured? Is it going to have a bit of structure? Is it going to be a combination of structure and unstructured? When I say structure and, and, and not and not structured, uh, you know, maybe work for the first six months and then travel for the second six months. And often the travel can be, um, the travel can be um, uh, pretty informal. Anyway, this young guy said to me, yeah, I think I'd like to work for the, um, for the first perhaps three months and then travel for nine months. And he said, I want to spend it in India. And he said, I want to find out as much as I can about India, about its people, about its history, about its religions, um, about its politics, and and I, I actually suggested that, as, that that one thing he might like to do was read. Um, <laughs> and if anybody else amongst your listeners tonight is uh, is thinking about about India, then I really recommend Sarah McDonald's wonderful book, Holy Cow. <laughs> Uh, have you heard of it? No, I haven't, but I like oh, the sound of the title. It's just, she's an Australian. She's an Australian journalist, married to married to an ABC uh, an ABC journalist who some years ago was the was the Delhi correspondent for the ABC, and she went over there, and they I think they were there for about three years, and and her the kind of understanding that she gathered uh, is is essential reading for anybody. Uh, traveling from Australia to India for the first time, and particularly for for a young person such as a, a school leader going, uh, you know, thinking about taking a gap year, it's just great. So look, um, I, I guess I could say I'm a big supporter of the gap year idea. It's not necessarily for everyone, but in principle, I think it's a really, really good idea. And there are so many ways in which a young person can spend it. They could do it here in Australia. Um, there are there are some great uh, 
options available here, but very often young people will will take um, will take a gap a gap year option and 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 travel overseas too. And you, so yes. I was just going to say, do you think that helps with people trying to sort out that whole multiple career pathway thing? Well, it can do, but one thing that it definitely will do is. Uh, you know, I I I should I would think that it, that the twelve months should should do it. I, I I wouldn't really if if it's a if it's a gap year, then it's a gap year. It's not a gap two years or a gap three years. Have some have some try and work out pretty clearly what it is you want to do, uh, and apply for the courses. If it's a university course, apply for the course that's going to that's going to get you there. And then assuming you, you receive an offer for the course, um, then you accept it. And then having accepted it, ask for it to be deferred for 12 months. Mm. And the majority of courses in the majority of universities uh, are happy to defer a, a course for at least 12 months. Some will defer for longer. But all that means is that you can go away knowing that when you come back, you've got something something to come back to. And I think that's quite important yeah that sounds like a it sounds like it makes good sense because at least you have some sense of uh i don't want to use the word security but um less uncertainty perhaps about I, I what's don't, going i don't to mind if you use the word security i i, I don't think that's that's necessarily a, a bad thing but let, let me just add to that An, another thing that taking a gap year can do for a young person is it it can give them a a, a real sense of of, of independence, of self-reliance, and at some future point in time, after they've graduated from whatever course they are doing and they're perhaps applying for their first job, the fact that they've done a gap year indicates to a prospective employer that they can, because they have to, mum and dad are not there to hold their hand, mm. they, can, they can manage their money, they can manage their time, they can check themselves in and out of... Um, you know, foreign countries. If they're if they're sick, maybe they just have to cope with that. They have to manage. Um, so there there are lots of things, lots of skills. Uh, they have to feed themselves. Um, uh, there 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 are lots of of good life skills that a gap year will give them, and that an employer at some point further on would recognise as as valuable, and that can help to distinguish someone uh one applicant from for a job from another applicant so if it uh if it seems to resonate with you it seems like uh, the gap year is a fantastic transition strategy i think so i think so yes altogether then uh, gordon there's uh, some great insights there thanks for your time it's a pleasure colin you've been listening to the learning capacity podcast brought to you by learn fast australia To get in touch with Gordon Doyle, call 0412-540-154 to make an appointment. If you'd like to comment on this podcast, send us an email to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. And to find out more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au, where you can also subscribe to the blog. Until next time, bye for now.